I am John Schofield. Joining me is my co-host, Class of 99 grad, Chris Cervello. Um, it is Army Week. Go Navy, beat Army. Enough said. Uh, let's get into it. On this pod this week, we are talking to retired Vice Admiral Joe Rixie, uh, rugby dad, supporter of the Naval Academy, and now an executive running Navy programs at Lockheed Martin. We're going to talk to him a little bit about that. And about rugby, a team that knows a teeny tiny bit about beating Army in dramatic fashion this year. Uh, we're also going to continue our series of featuring our chapters. Our chapter support through the years has been so, so critical to us. And we're building up uh, our distinguished chapters, our chapter numbers, and our chapter support at the Alumni Association and Foundation, ladies and gentlemen, through the hard work of Nancy Murray. Lori Coogan with Parents, uh, Isaac Phillips uh, with MyUSNA and our, and our online engagement, uh, Mike Lowe and our career services and support services. We are delivering you know, the core um, of how we better engage uh, and better take care uh, of the alumni going forward. Um, so we're really happy to, to highlight one of those things this week, and that is one of our distinguished chapters, the Hampton Roads chapter couple of hardcore, grizzled amphib swoes. We have a great interview going on there. Um, but if you stick with us to the end of the pod, ladies and gentlemen, we have a little bit of advanced information, and that is the announcement of the 2024 Distinguished Grads. I will offer a little sneak peek. There are four of them, um, all from classes in the 1970s. Uh, so spoiler alert there. Uh, but at the end, if you stick with us to the end of the uh, pod, Chris and I will discuss the new Distinguished Grad selectees. Uh, but first and foremost, before we get into the throes of Army Week, Chris Cervello, I kind of feel like we're uh, CNN current events here. Uh, but breaking uh-huh. news this morning, um, Tommy Tuberville lifting the holds on almost all of the military nominees with the exception of the four stars. This is a very significant, um, you know, event here. Uh, most notably, um, not only does it help our national security, uh, but it also is, you know, the the very root of why Admiral Fred Kacher is currently the acting soup instead of Yvette David. So, Chris, what have you heard on this, and how significant of a move uh, can this become? You know, in terms of you know, speed, um, you know, is the, I, I assume uh, that Admiral Davids is not going to be rolling in here next week, uh, right after Army-Navy game, but could this conceivably, you know, start a carousel that moves pretty fast for the Admirals? So I think that that's the hope, John. They, they've they been talking about this for about two weeks, um, once it became obvious that uh, hold by Senator Tuberville on some, you know, 400-ish uh, nominations was really grinding um, the national security apparatus, particularly DOD, to a halt. Uh, and I think, you, you know, he was looking for an off-ramp. As you mentioned, um, Politico and CNN and others were reporting that it would be the three stars on down um, that would, uh, you know, he would wave his hold on. Um, 
everything I've heard says they want to get the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, um, some other business, um, notably, uh, you know, not the uh, CR. They've, they've kicked the can on the continuing resolution, not to geek out too much, but um, they've got some other business and um, they would like to get these nominations done before the Christmas break. So we're talking, you know, two weeks now, does that happen? I, I don't know, but I think that's where, what the hope is. And then what the move plan would be after that would kind of be up to DOD and the individual services, you know, how quickly, you know, everybody's not going to move at once. So how quickly can people get into jobs? I, I think that, you know, probably realistically, you're looking at quarter sometime quarter one of the uh, calendar year. So, you know, there is hope that, you know, maybe by Army, Navy basketball, um, a permanent soup uh, is in the chair. On that note, Chris, so I, I think we can now say that the off-ramp for Admiral Kasher, um is on the horizon and the on-ramp for Admiral Davids is on the horizon. Now, when we started this podcast back up, Admiral Kasher was already in the acting role. Um, he had been asked by the Navy to step into the breach because of this lunacy going on. Um, you know, so now it looks like right after Army Navy game, you know, he would find that off ramp and Admiral Davids would come in, presumably to start off the new semester as the Naval Academy's first ever female superintendent. So let's kind of unwrap, unwrap that a little bit, you know, because I, I don't know from a PR perspective how much this event has been either soured or, um, you know, maybe even forgotten a little bit. Uh, amidst, you know, the, the back and forth on the Hill regarding the holds, you know, is, is this the right thing? Should we be giving, you know, Admiral Davids a bit more attention or, you know, is, is this something where we want to actually, you know, restate the fact that it's business as usual, you know, this happens all the time in the military, a commanding officer gets fired, the chief of staff from the FIB group goes in and fills in, You've got to fill in. We shouldn't be making a big deal about this. But I, for one, think Admiral Kasher did an amazing job coming in in a situation that was fraught with political peril. And and I would say that, you know, he, he made the ultimate lemonade out of a really lemony situation. I think that's a, a good way to look at it, John. I mean, sadly, whether it's... Um you know, Admiral Davids, whether it's Admiral Kacher, wh whether it's the Chief of Naval Operations, um, these holds have really changed the way um, these senior leaders have been able to come into jobs uh, uh, and, you know, put their stamp or their, their mark on it. I mean, typically somebody likes to come into a job like the superintendent or like the Chief of Naval Operations or Surf 4, or, you know, you pick any of these big big jobs they like a little bit of prep um and because of this hold they weren't able to do the prep and whether that's to kind of get their um, plans in order or get their public relations in order or you know in the case of uh um admiral uh david's you, you know rightly be uh, celebrated for being a historic first, um, all of that has been changed. Now, you and I have known Admiral Davids and Admiral Keacher for a long time. Both are sort of quiet warriors. Um, neither one is going to want to make a big deal either coming in or, or leaving. 
but we certainly owe Fred Kacher a um, a debt of gratitude, um, you know, whenever he leaves, whether that's at the beginning of the act year or if it takes a few weeks for these to shake out. So I hope that the community will do something appropriately to celebrate the sacrifice that he made in uh, taking this job and, and making sure there was no uh, turbulence. I also hope that people will do the same for Yvette Davids, who has been filling in at Naval Surface Forces out in uh, San Diego. They both deserve a debt of gratitude. What do you think, Chris? Like six to seven month TAD kind of filling in? I mean, that's worth like maybe a Navy Achievement Medal. I mean, I could see bumping it up to a comm. Maybe a comm. That's it. I wouldn't go any higher, though. <laughs> Um, in all seriousness, um, again, you, you mentioned that we've known Fred for a long time, and it feels stupid for me to call him Fred, and that it's more appropriate to, to make note of, of his rank. Um, Rear Admiral Kacher is just such a great dude. It's been so fun reconnecting with him during football season, which has been great, and, and now it looks like he gets to see us beat Army um, you know, this coming weekend uh, before going out and and doing great, great things at Set of Fleet. I know that that's going to happen. I mentioned beating Army, and this is Army Week, so we owe you some Army conversation. Uh, and that's going to come here uh, throughout the week. We'll, we're going to bring you our second pod of the week on Friday where we'll have our predictions, uh, bring in a little bit of insight from uh, what Bill Wagner and Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds are hearing. Uh, but before we get to our first interview this week, a little tangential to the Army-Navy game is all of the madness, Chris Cervello, that took place beforehand. And I'll just say it like this. Number one, I was pissed, like, as a fan. And, and I know I'm not trying to be, you know, cutting edge here in my position at the Alumni Association and Foundation, but it sort of irritated me at first when I saw that the college football committee selected two five and seven teams because there weren't enough uh, D1 teams that reached six wins to get bowl eligibility. And so when it came down to the last night, uh, they decided to choose you know, two, five, and seven teams. Now, Navy and Army are both five and six. I don't see what the harm would have been if the military bowl or the armed forces bowl or whatever bowl wants to take a chance on a service academy out there to wait for the winner of the Army-Navy game and then present that winner um, a bowl game. Uh, I, I don't know why that doesn't happen, but it turns out that that's only one half of the stupidity in college football right now. And the other half of it took place during the college football playoff selection show where an undefeated ACC team that won its conference title game went 13-0 and and committed the only sin of getting their quarterback hurt in a very competitive game. Um, I guess that that doesn't get you into a Final Four. Chris, for me, and I know that every time we talk to Chet about this or Brian Newberry or anyone in the football world, they'll take the, you know, the the upper the upper hand here, or ra rather the high road, and say, hey, you know, we can't control what's outside of the bounds. But God, it's got to feel like college football is eroding a little bit here, right, Chris? And it's not it's not to the benefit of service academies. At least that's not how I'm evaluating it. Not picking the Army-Navy winner um, as a bowl uh, participant seems like the least egregious assault on service academy football that has occurred over the last three to four years, right? So to me, number one is the transfer portal. Number two is NIL, um, you know, and then number three would be how bowls are picked and, you know, God forbid, you know, one of these teams is catches fire and is actually in the conversation. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 
you know, college football is not about the students anymore. It has been for a while. Um, so I, I, I'm not surprised. I continue to be disappointed. I, I'm less bitter about the, you know, four schools picked for the uh, playoff. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not, again, not surprised they went the money route. Um, the team, the four teams they picked are going to be better games. They're going to be probably draw more money. Um, and so, you, you know, they, they went that route and everything they do is about money. So we shouldn't be surprised. It shouldn't take anything away from Saturday's game. It's going to be a great game, albeit I think low scoring. Um, but, uh, you know, the, if, if ticket prices are any indication uh, on the secondary market, like there's a lot of excitement around this game from both schools and from the Boston area. What I really like is the fact that the Army-Navy game comes onto the national stage, comes back onto the national stage this weekend as college football is really under assault, right? Like, I don't like Florida State. I could not care less about Florida State. Um, Alabama and Georgia, I dislike each program equally. The SEC is obviously playing on levels above um, every other conference save possibly the Pac-12. And I was really happy to see a Pac-12 in the final four, a Pac-12 team in the final four in the form of Washington. But, you know, shoot, Chuck Gladchuck said it himself a couple of weeks ago, like, here's probably the best conference in football and they're going to be defunct next year. So the whole thing just stinks um, to me. And I'm glad that Army-Navy now arrives, you know, with you know, I just miss those sweet dulcet tones of Vern Lundquist. Um, you know, announcing the game's arrival and that tear-jerking intro that CBS always does, I think it arrives at a moment that's really critical for us to kind of win back the narrative on, on the importance of amateurism and the importance of the sacrifice that Surface Academy students go through. Chris, I'll give you the last word on this, and then we'll get to our yeah, interview. I think you're 100% correct. I mean, I, I don't want to give them too much credit in the sense that like the NCAA had anything to do with it. I mean, it's the um, athletic associations, it's the alumni associations, it's fans like us that have held on to this. For me, this is the hill that I die on, right? I mean, you do something to muck with the timing of Army-Navy uh, and the transfer portal and NIL. I mean, that's it for me. I'm done with college football. Um, so as long as Army Navy remains sacrosanct, like I, I still have some hope that you, you know that that somebody somewhere has their heart in the right spot. But if that ever changes, uh, stand by. I think there'll be a lot of angry folks. Yeah, it would truly be an assault on our traditions, um, traditions that we will talk about more on this pod and in our second pod later in the week. Uh, we are going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to have the first of two awesome interviews with Vice Admiral retired Joe Ritzy. Um, speaking of exciting Army-Navy games, he's going to tell us a little bit about the reaction when Navy rugby uh, defeated Army. Um, he's a rugby parent, uh, a grad, and now an exec with Lockheed Martin, finding ways to give back in so many ways. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Joe Ritzy. This is Sing Second. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I am really excited to bring in retired Admiral Joe Ritzy, right now the Vice President of Navy and Marine Corps Programs and Government Affairs at Lockheed Martin. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what Lockheed does to support the brigade and, and everything that, that they provide the brigade in terms of subject matter expertise and access um, you know, to their guidance as they work on capstone and other academic pursuits. But 
Amaritzi, you know, you and I have, we've had our, we've had our paths crossed back in the RDNA days, but now as you're at Lockheed Martin, so happy to have you on the podcast. You know, if you can, for the listeners who have never met you, um, kind of explain to us, you know, when did you graduate? What did you do after graduation and what brought you to where you are today at Lockheed? Well, you know, uh, I graduated class of uh, the great class of 1983 and uh, I lit off into the aviation domain and I became a P3 pilot. Uh, and of course, I chose every duty station as far west as humanly possible. Get a snuck in a couple Hawaii tours and a, and a Whidbey Island tour. Uh, ended up uh, getting into the acquisition world, and I became a uh, acquisition professional and a program manager, where I learned the world of contracting, the fun fun in contracting, if you can actually say those words. And then uh, I did that, and then I got uh, blessed by getting pushed into the international domain. So I did a lot of. Uh, stuff as a flag officer in, uh, in, um, at the, as a director of international programs for the Navy and then uh, for the Department of Defense as a DSCA director. And then uh, about 2017, I, uh, I uh, basically timed out and I went over to Lockheed Martin and I have been there for six years and uh, really proud of that company. And, uh, uh, you know, you can imagine as an acquisition professional, I had a lot of time to look at all the companies that were out there. And I found that, uh, that in terms of, uh, of uh, integrity and quality and product, um, I, I thought it was a it was a great place to go and 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 match my skill set with uh, what they what they needed. And so here I am, six years. Uh, last year I picked up the Navy and Marine Corps program, so I switched over from international to supporting the Navy and the Marine Corps. And I'm really proud about that because a I was a naval officer, but I also have two sons in the class of twelve and fourteen that are infantry Marine officers. And uh, and uh, and so, you know, here I am and uh, it's a labor of love and supporting the academy has fundamentally really, really uh, been an exciting thing for me to do. So you have the you have the portfolio kind of covered right from graduate um, to naval officer to parent. And now as someone who continues to support the Naval Academy, but that started early. Right. This used to be a sports only podcasts when we talked about the physical mission but you know you had you know athletics was a very formative part of your life as a midshipman but most importantly for me you and i have run across each other not from the the bad old days of of research development and acquisition in the navy but from the good old days now of supporting a rugby program that went from club to d1 to national champions in an eye blink you know what 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 spurred that pride for you to, to continue to support the physical mission the way that you have and the rugby program? Well, as I told you, my sons were class of 12 and 14 and both played rugby. And at the time I was uh, in my later years as a, as a, as a vice admiral and, you know, raising four kids and, and being on active duty pay, you don't really have a whole lot of resources in terms of funds, but you do have time. And I met up with a, some, some folks from the class of 90, and I could, I'd love to list their names because they get all the credit in the world for what they were doing, working with the classes out of the 60s that had put together a fundamental uh, campaign of, of bringing funds, you know, that built the Ernie Blake Field and uh, Presmac Center. And the initial contributor to that, I wanted to be involved with that. So I got started with them and we kind of organized around it. And I got basically selected to be the president 
And uh, at chairman, we didn't really have a board back then of basically a ragtag group of rugby alumni. And we coined it as the Navy Rugby Alumni Association. And we started to grow. And this is around the 2015 timeframe. And, you know, working with these zealots, we put together, you know, a strategy to go varsity, to raise money and go varsity. And again, uh, all I could do is give them my time. And being a vice admiral, I knew a few people that I could talk to at the service academy and also outside the academy to drum up more support. And it just grew. And uh, we've become far more formal right now. We actually have a president because time was just getting away from me. Uh, Ryan Curry is the president of the officers and I'm chairman of a board of a seven board directors. And we just started raising money. And then Chet, the athletic director, the true champion of all of this was very supportive of what we were doing. And Chet hired Gavin Hickey and Gavin Hickey, given the right resources, will be the champion of whatever league he is in. And so we jumped immediately to this status of national champions because of that coach, uh, that director of Navy rugby. But I want to point out something else. Our alumni association is not just associated with the men's team. We are very much, very much a part of the women's team. In fact, a few of us are helping support and fund the women's coach because we recognize that this has to be a single team and a single team effort. Hence, the Rugby Alumni Association is both for the men's and the women's club. And I want to stress that. And uh, and we've seen progress there. And, and watching the women's team grow is really a focus area for the, for the alumni association and getting participated patient from the women is uh, alumni is, is really important. So, uh, and the other thing that I liked about the rugby team and the rugby is, is the quality of graduates that leave and go on to do some incredible things in the fleet. Um, they captured my sons. Uh, they got into infantry Marines. I'm a P3 pilot. How they ended up infantry officers in the Marine Corps is something that I have to question the, uh, the, the rugby team at the time. So, no, it's uh, you can see that it's a massive labor of love. The product is a championship, but even more important, distinguished graduates that are going to get carry forth in their mission to serve this country. And the skill sets they learn on that pitch are probably the best. It's like I, I used to joke. We used to call the the rugby field. the Let's not call it the rugby pitch. Let's call it the ground warfare training center. And that's how <laughs> we think about that. So anyway. I can go on and on about rugby, but uh, fundamentally, um, I, I, it's been a mission that I've been proud to support. And I do want to attribute to all the folks that are involved in the Rugby Alumni Association to get there. Well, you mentioned grads of distinction, Admiral. And, you know, the last time I saw you, you know, we had just celebrated, um, you know, the, the class of 96, particularly Chris Cleary and, and that great class. Yes. Um, you know, at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. And, you know, all Chris Cleary has done is, is go on and be the principal cyber advisor for the entire Department of the Navy. And you see these nuggets out there. I've known Ryan Curry for years. You know, shoot, Lewis Gray, you know, just did everything that a rugby player could do last season and is now down at TBS. It, it's got to warm your heart, you know, not just as a parent, but now, how do you take the next step? For you, I know that Naval Academy graduates are never satisfied. What, what's next for you? How do you build it up? Because, you know, I know Murph McCarthy is, is one of the greatest human beings alive, and you're going to support him. But 
you know, how, how do you see these programs, um, you know, developing and evolving two, three, four, five years from now? Well, we want to create a dynasty. We want to surpass, in my lifetime, I want to surpass Cal's record of national championships. And so to do that, we have to build up an endowment, a support structure that will allow us to do that. Because it's all about the coaching. It's not just Gavin. It's his assistant coaches. It's 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 all that. It's And it's the support that we get from the academy, the recruiting, the meals, the conditioning, all that. And oh, by the way, you know, you got a great job waiting for you at the end of your rugby career at the, at the United States Naval Academy. We want a dynasty. We don't want just this win and go home. In fact, we're redoubling our efforts in terms of our campaign to raise funds for that reason. Better facilities, you know, depth in coaching, depth in support. Uh, and again, I, I really want to really want to shout out to to Chet and and his organization for the massive support. We would be nowhere without Chet. And so uh, pulling this all together and 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 keeping the drive and keeping the momentum. That's our goal. That's what we see. Well, last question from me, Admiral. You know, everyone has a different answer to this, so I'd be interested in yours. What is it about the Naval Academy for Joe Rixey? Um, you know, what, why did you send your kids there? Um, why do you continue to give back? Because of the Alumni Association and Foundation, you know, we're mirroring exactly what, you know, the, the rugby supporters are doing. How do we inject the power of philanthropy into this organization so that you see the results on the back end? You've been mentioning the women's team. Oh, no big deal. On Saturday, we just got a Rhodes Scholar from the women's team, Abigail Ward. You know, an incredible, incredible accomplishment. 50-plus now Rhodes Scholars to match our 50-plus astronauts um, out there making a difference. So for you, as you see Abigail Ward, you know, as a women's rugby player announced as a Rhodes Scholar, as you see your sons going out and doing great things in the defense of our freedoms in the Marine Corps, what, what's the special sauce of the U.S. Naval Academy for you? Well, culture. But if I circle back to what are we looking for specifically with our rugby grads? And it's a, it's a culture issue. We talk about this with Gavin all the time. They're midshipmen first. They are midshipmen first. We are looking to graduate warfighters with a culture, you know, a, a, a distinction in understanding leadership in a domain environment that is rough and physical, the physicality as well. And if you look at the recent graduates, I mean, I think the last five captains for a stretch from the uh, from the men's team went on to be Navy SEALs. Um, and so what energizes our alumni base is the quality of the graduate and what they do in their post in their post academy and Navy life. We want, I really, we focus the, uh, the alumni on, it's about the mission when they graduate and Gavin's training them and Murph is training them in an environment. There's no better training environment for leadership, especially in the domains of, uh, of ground warfare and even age, you know, in aviation in the submarine community. And, um, and, and we stress that we stress that all the time. We're not, yeah, great. We want to win national championships. That's a goal. We want to graduate the finest leaders that the United States Navy Academy can produce. That's what we want to lead the the uh, the brigade in is the best leaders come off the rugby pitch. Now, 
I like the academy because I felt like it trained me and readied me for a career in the Navy. And I think it, I've watched it with my sons and, uh, and uh, they got the same education and the same beliefs and they're, and they're serving their country now. And, and that is what the alumni look at in terms of what allows them to write checks to support the, the cause. Well, I'm going to package up that answer, Admiral. We're going to plagiarize it. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you for being such a great supporter of rugby. Thank you for being a grad of repute and character. And thank you for joining the podcast. We will have you back on in the, uh, in the spring. We'll talk about all of those amazing acquisition programs that I looked over. DDG 1000, <laughs> presidential helicopter, expeditionary fighting vehicle. Who knows? Like, let, let, let's let the hits keep on rolling. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Vice Admiral Retired Joe Ritzy, uh, taking time before he runs to the airport to join the Sing Second Podcast. Thank you to him. This is the Sing Second Pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from break, and it is time for our interview segment. We are focusing this week on the Sing Second Podcast on our chapters, and we are so happy to be joined by a distinguished chapter this week, uh, Dick Enderly and Bill Daniels from the Hampton Roads chapter down there in Hampton Roads, Virginia. Um, Dick is a member of the great class of 71. Bill, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, what class were you from? 77. Yeah, it's 77. So Bill Daniels and Richard Enderley, or Dick Enderley from uh, the Hampton Roads chapter. So happy for you to join us to talk about what the chapter is doing to support alumni, uh, both recent and you know from, from long ago. Uh, Dick, I'll start with you. If you can, introduce us to the Hampton Roads chapter, but only after you kind of introduce us to, to you. You're a 71 grad. What did you do after graduation, and how did you end up you know, in a leadership position at your local chapter? Well, well, John, first of all, thank you very much for, for having us uh, this morning. We're, we're always uh, happy to, uh, to talk about our chapter and, and all the great things that we've uh, uh, have done, uh, are doing, and uh, will continue to do here in Hampton Roads. Uh, as for myself, uh, yes, I, I did graduate in 1971, um, became a surface warfare officer, and ended up uh, serving for 30 years, um, primarily in the uh, amphibious world. Um, I had three uh, three commands at sea and and various shore duty tours. Uh, uh, Will not say that I enjoyed every single minute of my career because I'm not sure anybody really does that. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun uh, and certainly a a great adventure. Um, about twenty plus years ago, somewhere between twenty and twenty five, um, I started to get interested in the local alumni association chapter, and and in fact, I have now been on the board of directors. Uh, for uh, well over uh, 20 years in various capacities and including six years as the president from uh, 2014 to 2020. Um, it's, um, it's been really, really rewarding. Um, just, uh, you know, the, the interaction, the uh, um, being involved in the great things that, that we do here. Um, uh, after I got out of the Navy, I retired. I retired and went to, or I didn't retire. I went to um, uh, work for uh, Northrop Grumman, a gov local government contractor, and retired there from 2013. And and uh, now I'm uh, enjoying retirement. Um, 
I'm, and Bill uh, has a, a, a similar uh, career pattern, but uh, I'll let him tell you about that. Well, yeah, this old you. Amphib sailor, Dick, you know, I, I, I hear, you know, I hear you talk to Amphibs and I'm immediately you know, struck with PTSD. I've got to do the PDCT report. You know, I've got to make sure the well deck is, is flooded out, ready to get those LCACs in there. Uh, so from one Amphib sailor to another, welcome to the pod. Bill, you know, from the great class of 77, if you could walk us through um, you know, how you ended up where you are today, um, you know, would love to hear it. Yeah, thank you, John. And add on to, to Dick's uh, thank you. We really appreciate the opportunity today. Uh, yeah, after graduating in 77, uh, uh, I, I was also a career uh, SWO. I did a destroyer tour and a frigate tour and then got into the uh, amphibs like Dick uh, in, uh, you know, starting with my second department head tour. I had uh, two uh uh, commands at sea and uh, and one uh, shore command. After um, retiring in 2007 or leaving active duty 2007, did some DOD contractor work, and um, which, which uh, some of that was involving some uh, training support for the for the DDG 1000 Zumwalt Zumwalt uh, class destroyer, and then I uh, I got into uh, uh, military seal of command uh, world as a Navy civilian. And so I really enjoyed that, did a stint um, as an LNO out on the PAC fleet staff. Got to affiliate with the Honolulu chapter, by the way, another great, uh, great chapter. And then uh, got back to Hampton Roads the, uh, the end of 2018, uh, continued at MSC headquarters, which is at Naval Station Norfolk, and um, just retired this summer. Wanted to do a quick shout out to the leadership there at, at MSC with some uh, Naval Academy grads are the MSC commander is Admiral Phil Sobeck, class of 91, and then senior executive service leadership, uh, Steve Cade, class of 85, and Tom Kiss, class of 88, is the uh, director of ship management. Steve Cade's the executive director. Anyway, and then my affiliation with the with the chapter, of course, I've known Dick since the mid-90s, uh, you know, his mentorship friendship and and others is really what you know attracts me and others to the uh to the chapter you know the op the uh camaraderie the networking the interface with the fleet navy and marine corps and uh, and of course the community it's uh my dad was career career uh, navy officer class of 54 i graduated from cox high school in virginia beach and um you know so i've always had a close connection to the community in my Navy uh, service had me in the area of, of, you know, about half of my career, maybe even more than that. So again, the, the, the ability to, to serve the chapter, this is my second stint with the, with the board of directors over the years and uh, all the great things that we do supporting our grads, uh, transitioning, you know, whatever they're doing in their various stages of their careers, uh, you know, is, is an awesome opportunity. So that's me. Well, Bill, you, uh, you you bring me back to the to the days of one of my favorite naval officers, Buzz Busby. Yeah, the the old uh, the old Carney CEO, five hundred and five feet of American fighting uh, steel. Um, you know, and and MSC, if they only had a you know a good communicator, you know, Tom Van Lunen, you know, tries his best, but uh, you know, really can't hit the mark. Um, but all joking <laughs> aside, Bill, I'll, I'll keep it on you. Um, 
you know, the Hampton Roads chapter is a distinguished chapter. Now, the, the problem that we have at the Alumni Association and Foundation is, number one, it's, it's hard to get people to join chapters, but a lot of people just don't know, you know, what a chapter can do or will do for you. And the Hampton Roads chapter is not just a chapter, it's a distinguished chapter. So before I go back to Dick, Bill, if you can, if you can kind of educate us, you know, what makes a chapter a distinguished chapter and what kind of services are you providing alumni? What motivates them to get involved with you guys? Yeah, thank you. Well, to follow up on some of those MSC connections with uh, Tom and others, that, that would be fun. Um, yeah, I know Dick's going to talk to this uh, in more depth than me, but again, uh, it's kind of A to Z in what the chapter can do to support our alums. And again, it's what, like what Dick said, what we have done, are doing, and continue to do in some of our uh, planning and various engagements. Uh, and, you know, getting getting those grads, you know, when we can, and w when, the, when they're available, whether they're back from deployment or whether it's family support, um, you know, just really uh, all kinds of things. I think the the, the topic that, uh, that, that I'm planning to speak to, I can do it now or after Dick gives a little more background on the chapter. I want to talk about uh, blue and gold officer support and those kinds of things. But I'll, I'll go over to Dick for some highlights on the distinguished grad, uh, distinguished chapter kinds of things. Dick, go ahead. Okay. Um, well, you know, we're going to give some, uh, we need to give some shout outs. You know, the the chapter, the hierarchy here, the the board of directors is, is a team. And uh, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, at least highlight uh, a, a several of the people who are are the uh, uh, the primary movers and shakers. Uh, our chapter president is Renee Reedy from the class of 1981. Uh, the first vice president is Ted Diggs from the class of 85. Uh, our treasurer is uh, Ashley Campy from uh, the class of 1998. And uh, although uh, not board officers, our two key players are our webmaster, uh, Rob Ashback, who is the class of 1990. And um, uh, Al Panessa, class of 1968, is the, uh, uh, the events, events chair. And he's really a, a key guy because events is, is how we make things happen and, and why we make things happen. Um, We've got about 750 members in our chapter, um, and uh, we are one of the nine largest chapters. I believe we're second now. We were first for many years, and, and I think we've been overtaken by uh, uh, the Washington, D.C. chapter, but but that's okay. We have a representation on the uh, Alumni Association Board of Trustees. We have a chapter trustee who is Mark Ruprecht from the class of uh, 1976. Um, and, and as you said, uh, we are a distinguished chapter. So how do you get to be a distinguished chapter? You do stuff, you know, you, you, you do a lot of things and you try to do as many things that as many people as possible might be interested in. Um, you know, there's a package that has to be put together and submitted um, to uh, to uh, apply, I guess, to be a, a distinguished chapter. And in there, you have to outline um, the events that you do, the interaction you have with the community, the interaction and support um, with the Alumni Association, with the Naval Academy, with the midshipmen. Um, 
how you how you try to grow your membership. Um, all of those things are incorporated. How you communicate. Um, you know, we we've embraced um, the new Hivebright system. Yeah, it wasn't perfect when it started, and it's still not perfect, but but it's getting better. And um, we we've we've learned how to use some of the tools there to to communicate and reach out to people. Um, you know, all of those things are are what goes into being a a distinguished chapter. Um, yeah, I said do stuff. That's simple, um, but that's the key right there. Dick, if I can, you know, pull the pull the thread on that a little bit more. We just came back from, you know, a really successful Charlotte visit where the football team blanked uh, the Charlotte football team. And talking to the chapter down there, they organized an incredible tailgate using my USNA, using a lot of the, you know, the the resources that are made available from the Alumni Association and Foundation here. How have you leveraged um, platforms like my USNA to connect more? Um, because I think chapters used to be like, hey, let's just meet at uh, Hot Tuna in Virginia Beach and have a beer and talk about you being, you know, in the aviation pipeline or what it's like being on an amphib. You know, how, how have you matured chapter engagement based on the availability of technology and, and other connective uh, tissue, like through social media in order to identify with, you know, recent grads? Because for me, and I might be a total nerd about this. Well, I know I'm a total nerd about this. Being able to have access to like 71 grads, 77 grads, the wisdom that that is resident there is so special. But then again, I'm also probably a recent grad who does most of my stuff on Instagram or TikTok or whatever the young kids are doing today. So how do you how do you kind of bridge the gap between older graduates with so much experience and perspective and younger grads who want to get I you know want to get connected with via technology? Well, you know, I think. Um, every chapter, I'm sure, struggles uh, the way that we do. That that's not an easy task. Um, you know, they're they're first of all, we use every social media platform that we can. Um, we use, you know, we have a chapter website, usna. U, I'm sorry, usnahamptonroads.com. Just uh, you know, for anybody who's listening in and you want to see what we're all about. Go to usnahamptonrose.com and you'll get right there. Um, you know, we use Twitter or X or whatever it's called today. Um, we use LinkedIn. Um, we use um, Facebook. Um, you know, we we try to reach out through as many avenues as we possibly can. And like I said, we try to do uh, we try to do things uh, that that we hope will appeal to a, a wide audience. Um, some of the, you know, it, it, for us, it's all about events and every event, we try to make it a membership opportunity, an opportunity to join, uh, to join the chapter, or at least ex become exposed to the folks you just talked about, you know, the more senior grads and the younger grads. Um, there's one thing I got to plug because we're talking about events right now. We got Army Navy coming up. And I'm telling you, here in Hampton Roads, our Army Navy party is second to none. Um, there is a uh, a place that we have adopted as our football, as our place to go to watch Navy football. It's 
Shore Break Pizza and Tap House in uh, Virginia Beach. <clears throat> and uh, they host us for every Navy football game. But for the Army-Navy game, we literally pack the entire house. We'll have 300-plus people there, and we have had that many people there for the last five or six years. We have a silent auction that goes with that. Um, yeah, we we budget for uh, a certain uh, amount of pizza and uh, liquid libations for that day. And uh, that, that draws people in. It really does. Um, um, we, we also do, um, uh, 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 toys for tots, the Marine Corps program, and a couple of things that we've done very successfully here the last couple of years, and we're going to do it again this year is we've gotten tied into the local TV stations and, um, the, the, uh, uh local, uh, CBS and ABC affiliates, um, have done some interviews of, of some of our members who are former football players, um, and this year they're going to do that again um, and also interview some of the other members of the chapters or, 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 the, uh, or the board of directors just to talk about Army-Navy, what it means to them, particularly the football players who actually played in the game, and the rest of us who are fans who have seen many, many games and, and are, uh, uh, you know, have a lot of fond memories of, well, mostly fond memories of Army-Navy games. Um, when they weren't freezing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I've been to games where it was 80 degrees. I've been to games where it was 20. And uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> but it's always it's always fun. Um, we have a, an annual picnic. I'm, I'm describing some of the things we do to try to attract as many people as possible. We have an annual summer picnic and and we provide entertainment there. In, in the past, we had a we had one member who was uh, his his sideline job was a clown and he would show up and 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 blow up balloons and do funny things with the with the younger kids. Um, we have two golf outings every year. We have one in the spring that's kind of just a an alumni uh, event. And then we have another one in the fall, which we just completed here about a month ago, where we partner with another organization. For several years, it was the Southampton Roads um, uh, Habitat for Heroes organization. We have several chapter members who have been longstanding participants in that program. And for the last three years, we partnered with the Armed Services YMCA. Um, we help them raise money and uh, they help us uh, add a little bit to uh, to our coffers. And it provides an opportunity for um, for our golfers, of which there are many, um, to get out there and uh, and uh, and get on the links and and chase that white ball around a little bit. Um, and let's see. Um, you know, we've had uh, we've had what we call a networking breakfast for almost thirty years now. Uh, we do that once a month, and it's a, an opportunity for not only for camaraderie. We always have a an interesting uh, guest speaker. Um, and it's an opportunity for people who are perhaps transitioning out of the Navy um, to come and, and kind of advertise themselves. And, uh, and it's an opportunity for people who may have jobs to offer to, uh, you know, to uh, perhaps find somebody there that, uh, you know, they can, they can hire and, and provide a job for. And then there's an offshoot of that group, uh, which we think is, is kind of unique. 
Um, uh, it's a, we call it the business development group and their, their business is more focused. Their, their, uh, meetings are more focused on, on the business act aspect of things and, you know, sharing mutual ideas and, and, um, um, business opportunities. Um, it, it's just incredible. You know, all joking aside, it's amazing. Um, you know, all the stuff that we do to support alumni. And as we build out our career services capabilities here at headquarters in Annapolis, you know, hearing about what you're doing to connect graduates to business opportunities, to entrepreneurship, to just support is incredible. But that's just one side of it, right? So we need to continue to fill the brigade with, with America's best and brightest. And Bill made an allusion to it earlier. And I'd like to ask you now, Bill, being a blue and gold officer is, is central to this process. You can't just have support of alumni on the back end because you need to support them or, or fill the brigade with talented uh, high schoolers and candidates on the front end. If you can expound a little bit more on on your role as a BGO and how you how you you know kind of inculcate those values um, into the into the chapter. You're right on. Uh, I'd like to talk about the blue and gold officer connection to the chapter. Um, and you know, again, uh, that uh, con- continuation of the of the legacy, but of course through our through our alumni and getting the word out, you know, across the community is what that's all about. So first shout out is to uh, Dave Linetti, class of 81, who's our longtime uh, blue and gold uh, area coordinator. Uh, and he covers not just Hampton Roads, but really all of Southeast uh, Virginia, you know, on, on uh, stretching up towards uh, Richmond. So that's a, uh, that's a cadre of about 50 blue and gold officers. Um, and uh, supporting over 250 schools. And again, all the aspects there, including the coordination with the local congressional offices um, and, you know, in supporting the nomination process, uh, you know, on and on. So, you know, that includes uh, the chapter support to events like uh, college nights, uh, operation uh, information, op info, Referrals that come back through Dave and to his uh, to his blue and gold officers, and as uh, uh, Dick and I have been affiliated with a, a number of times, that, that also includes uh, you know an annual uh, service academy and ROTC information uh, information events um, in coordination with the congressional offices. And I'd like to mention you know one of our one of our real capstone events is our plebe recognition dinner which we've been doing for, you know, over 25 years. So that's normally in, uh, in early June and an evening, sort of a, a banquet type uh, event to recognize those incoming plebes, as well as those going on to, uh, to NAPS or through a foundation school. So this, this past June, the 2023 event, we had uh, Lieutenant General Brian Cavanaugh, class of 90, who's the commanding general Marine Forces Command, you know, was our was our speaker, and it was just an awesome event. That event, uh, the the PRD also it includes uh, the another link in the chain uh, connection that is spoken to that evening. And uh, this year, I'm proud to say my class 77 connection to the class of 2027. You know, led by our uh, class president Dave Paddock, who's also a local local Virginia Beach uh, resident. And the connection to the uh, to the parents club 
you know, it just goes, goes on and on. And, uh, you know, those, those kind of opportunities and again, getting the, the word out and we have so many talented, uh, uh, student athletes in the area. Uh, it, as you know, it's a very, very competitive process, but by helping to, to, to get the word out and, and get an early start on it, you know, we, we do our best to reach out to even the middle school, uh, level and, you know, and, and, and helping those, those students, uh, and their parents to, uh, to plan, you know, taking the right courses, being involved, uh, across the board in, in, uh, extracurricular activities, uh, as you know, all, all very, very important to developing, a you know, a solid candidate and, and being competitive. So I mentioned the, I mentioned the parents club. I also like to mention as part of the PRD, you know, the chapter hosts those, uh, you know, those, those prospective plebes as well as their parents. So we, we, uh, we, we like to pick up the tab, so to speak, for those, for those folks. And it helps to integrate them into the, into the network, into the chapter uh, with the parents club. We've also been fortunate every year to be able to have a number of, of midshipmen who are in the area for, for training uh, to participate and to help, uh, you know, really outline the gouge for those prospective plebes just a few weeks before they report for I-Day. So again, we're very, uh, very pleased and proud of that, of that process and how Dave Linetti and his team of BGAs, BGOs go about uh, getting that done. Well, Dick and Bill, I completely appreciate uh, you coming on the pod today. What an educational experience. We will do our part. We'll get the word out to the brigade about the presence of chapters and the resources available at chapters, I'll point the spotlight directly at us. We need to do better at doing that, and we will. Um, Bill Daniels from the great class of 77, Dick Enderley from the very great class of 1971, Amphib Sailors, SWOs, there's nothing wrong with those on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you coming on, and we can't wait to have you back. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks, John. Go Navy, beat Army. Go Navy, be an army indeed. All right, we're going to go to break, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, Chris Rebello and I will take this out. This is the Swing Second Pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And as a credit for you sticking with us through the entire podcast, here is your gift. Chris Rebello and I, as we teased in the beginning, uh, we are very happy to announce the new distinguished graduates of the United States Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation. As many of you might know, um, we choose, you know, somewhere between three and five graduates of the Naval Academy every year to bestow the honor of being a distinguished grad. Um, this is an incredible honor from David Robinson to Wendy Lawrence to Brad Snyder um, to so many admirals who have come before us um, and, and now gone. The Distinguished Graduate Ceremony um, is, is a very time-honored tradition um, as part of what we do and the names that are selected uh, as distinguished graduates, um, you know, they they live on, um, you know, as as examples of what is very very good about the Naval Academy alumni, um, amidst a sea of everything that's good about the Naval Academy alumni. So, without any further ado, I am very happy to announce that the distinguished graduates who will be um, honored in March of 2024. Uh, are retired Admiral Sam Locklear, retired Admiral Dennis Blair, John Young, and Jerry Miller. 
Um, Chris, we have worked for a couple of these people. We've known, um, well, I know all of them, um, but your thoughts initially on you know, the, the selection of these four fine gentlemen uh, to, be, um, to be honored as distinguished grads in 2024. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly these four are uh, are well deserved uh, selections. They're they're great selections, and you know they'll be celebrated throughout twenty twenty four, both by their classes, by their mentors, by their mentees, and you know their their network will go on and on. Um, I, you know, I I think we have a lot of distinguished grads and. Um, I'm glad we picked four to five. I would love to see us figure out how to celebrate more at different levels and different tiers. But, you know, it, it is a yearly reminder of what it means to be a graduate of the Naval Academy. Um, the moral, mental and physical components that guided you as a mid and then, you, you know, set the, the, the mile markers for, for life after the Naval Academy. So um, congratulations to those four gentlemen. Uh, and I look forward to, uh, you know, celebrating them. And I'm already looking forward to the 2025 selections. Yeah, Chris, I'd have to take a little bit of Mark Ferguson's content here. Admiral Mark Ferguson, the chairman of the Board of Trustees for the Alumni Association, by saying that, that I'm really happy. One of the initiatives that Admiral Ferguson is working on, um, you know, to, to be started this year and be carried out, um, you know, in the years to come, it is more of a recognition of younger graduates and, and unique accomplishments, uh, recent graduate accomplishments. You know, it, it warmed my heart when Brad Snyder uh, became a distinguished graduate, you know, because as a, as a member of the class of 06, he was, you know, by comparison, much, much younger than most distinguished grads. And all four of these gentlemen from 76, 77, 78, you know, you, you've, you've got the 70s represented and, and, Granted, being a distinguished grad is reflective of a lifetime of accomplishment. Yes, it's harder for recent grads to do that. Um, you know, so I, I would say for those who would offer criticism about distinguished grads usually just being older people, I, I do think it's reflective of a life well lived that usually comes with a philanthropic aspect of giving back to your alma mater over years and years and years. Very few recent grads uh, have the ability financially or otherwise to give in that sort of way. Not that giving is part of the entry ticket into being a distinguished graduate, but support of your alma mater is, and that usually takes place over a lifetime. So hats off to Admiral Ferguson for trying to find a way to augment the distinguished grad program by finding other award ceremonies that recognize uh, a different element and a different demographic of the alumni. I just think that's the right thing to do. Uh, so again, congrats to uh, Jerry Miller, Admiral ba Blair, Admiral Locklear, um, and John Young. Chris, I'll give you the uh, the final word on that before we take this out with some Army Navy memories. Yeah, I mean, I I will second um, your uh, you know recognition of uh, Admiral Ferguson's uh, efforts because uh, I think he's onto something. I mean, he is the He's the father of two younger professionals and so I think has a good sense of where the millennials and Gen X are, right? And so I don't think we can take for granted that without engaging younger generations earlier, 
that they'll be around to be recognized as TGAs. And I, I, you know, that sounds sort of ominous that they'll be around, but like, it's a continuum as we've talked about many times, right? You don't get folks to be considered to be a distinguished graduate. If you're not engaging, if you're not recognizing, if you're not kind of bringing them into the family throughout their Navy and post Navy career. So uh, I look forward uh, and it's very much consistent with what, you know, the, the entire organization is doing and the resources that they're providing. Um, so again, another uh, kind of proud moment for this alumni. I absolutely agree with you there. So Chris, before we take this out and it's been a great uh, pod, my thanks to the Hampton Roads chapter, uh, Admiral Ritchie, um, and obviously our congratulations to the distinguished grads. No congratulations to the college football playoff committee. Um, but as we go out, I, I wanted to offer up your, an opportunity to you. Um, and I'll start it off with mine to, to kind of tell us what your favorite Army Navy memory is. Uh, we're going to get more into like the X's and O's and the predictions for the game uh, in the end of the week pod. But, but for me, I'd, I'd rather talk as we go out on this one you know, about what the game means. Um, we talk about it, you know, with regards to the college football playoff selections and things like that. But for me, one of my favorite memories of watching the game, and it always turned into, you know, this, hey, how many Irish car bonds can we do in the parking lot? And, and it was always for me, um, you know, unfortunately, kind of a, kind of a drinking-based scenario. And one year that I didn't, I just wasn't feeling it. Um, you know, we tailgated and everything, but I, I was, it was super cold. It was in Philly. Um, and, and I was seated next to, and my group of friends, I was seated, um, next to a world war two grad and or a world, I was seated next to a world war two veteran. Um, and this gentleman, you know, this was 2004, 2005, 2006 timeframe, um, it was so cold. Um, and, and this guy was just toughing it out. And I ended up asking him if he had gone to army or to Navy. And he was like, no, I am just from Philly. Um, I served in world war II, and I just love what both of these teams stand for. And, and as we put this pot out, uh, at the end of the week, uh, here on Thursday is Pearl Harbor day. Um, and I will use this as an opportunity to talk about all of the coverage that we're going to bring you through Shipmate Magazine, Wave Tops, and our social media channels, an amazing World War II series um, honoring our greatest generation. Um, so please, you know, please don't let December 7th uh, fade from your memory. It's a very significant event in our nation's history, and the greatest generation answered the bell that day. That is my favorite Army-Navy memory. A very close second is doing 12 Irish car bombs with you and Rob Hubert, uh, Chris Cervello. But, uh, but I'll, uh, I'll give you the floor before we take this baby out. Um, I would say, I mean, I maybe have three and then one comment. And I'll be very quick. I mean, obviously, my plea here uh, was, I mean, going through that with the group of people that you went through plebe summer with, we lost to Army. It was a very close game, as were all four of the army navy games that i experienced as a mid um but i mean being able to that camaraderie it really solidified for me what army navy meant i think you're on to something i mean whether it's alcohol related or food or what whatever just the camaraderie associated with army navy whether you're in the parking lot whether you're on the flight deck of harry s truman ducking in and out of flight deck control to get a a score uh a update and you know high-fiving fellow shooters and air crew and 
sailors. I mean, that, that is certainly a special memory. And then, I mean, your, your last, you know, your point really does underscore that this is America's game. And that is not just a clever uh, marketing uh, slogan by our friends at USAA. I mean, it is America's game. Um, you know, most of the country figures some way to recognize or at least acknowledge Army Navy. That That is not the same for other college games. It's not even really the same for the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, the, the personal, the sort of larger community and then the country's embrace of Army Navy make this special for me. And I'm reminded of it every year. Chris, excellent thoughts. Excellent conversation. And I will say this, um, you know, before we get too emotional around here, um, I am very sad to be experiencing my first Army Navy game in a long time without uh -huh. my wingman, Chris Cervello, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, but we will find a way to adapt and overcome um, on our next pod, we will bring you all of the events, ladies and gentlemen, that we have going on on Friday and Saturday. Uh, we hope to see everyone in Foxborough and in Boston. Um, a really great uh, alum get-together at 1.30 p.m. on Friday at the Bell and Hand Tavern uh, right down there in downtown Boston. Can't wait to see everyone there. Uh, but we have one more pod to bring you, and we'll bring it to you next week. So for Chris Cervello, um, I am John Schofield, Beat Army, enough said, we're out.